0: TGE, the podcast. Welcome. Episode 52. Today we're going to be talking about a trailer from Dr. Strangelove. With me is Tyler. Tyler, how are you?
1: Good, Sven. How are you doing? We had a pretty fun day yesterday we're going to talk about, and we also would like to thank you for listening to the podcast and for subscribing to the podcast if you haven't. We'd like to thank you for asking Siri to subscribe to the podcast, because Siri will do it for you if you have an Apple device, and... Also for telling your friends about the podcast and listening to it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere and everywhere podcasts exist and lurk and other places we don't even know about or have been told about recently.
0: Nice, nice. What were we doing on, uh, on this weekend, Tyler? Oh.
1: So yesterday we got to talk to a very accomplished filmmaker who opened his house to us literally to talk about a film that he had worked on that we looked at a scene from on this show wet hot american summer and the director was david waynes we went over there and did a really cool interview with him that we're going to be cutting together and putting on to this very <laughs> what do we even call this then podcast putting <laughs> yes, we're, we're doing put, a we're podcast putting the podcast up Yes, we're, doing, we're editing podcasts, we're posting a podcast, so you'll get to check that out. A lot of cool insights into editing and filmmaking. and
0: Yeah, he actually opened up his cool. computer and showed us an old cut of Wet Hot American Summer, and he hadn't really watched it before, and we looked at that specific scene, and we looked at both versions, what he took out, and it was, it was kind of amazing to see that like in the moment he's like, oh, this is how we originally intended the scene to be, so stay tuned for that. It's exciting.
1: And we're going to see how well it translates to the podcast form. versus, you know, there might yeah, be a supplemental video. We with it, we got but.
0: so excited that we totally forgot the medium, and we just <laughs> sort of just looked at the scene and just talked about stuff and never described what we're actually looking at. But we're going to figure out a way how to make that work in a podcast. I'm sure we can we can make that work. This is this is history.
1: But it was really fun to to be a part
0: of, and we spent like a good two hours with him. My favorite part is we were actually waiting to be on time, so we're sitting at the curb in front of the house, which we thought is his house. Walk up, it's not his.
1: But yeah, it was funny to sit there and make a lot of assumptions about him based on the house and then walk up and realize we had the wrong address after sitting like creeps on the sidewalk in the shade for 10 minutes. The thing we want to do this week was look at a trailer to kind of talk about movie trailers a little bit and I found I didn't find I knew of the movie with the most trailer edits in the history of movies and I told Sven about this at least the most that have been counted Uh, a contender has not been found if there's one out there please let us know we're not aware of it but it's the trailer for Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb Stanley Kubrick's film and I don't think that there's going to be a movie that does ever have more edits in it than this trailer for a lot of reasons that that we'll obviously talk about. But it sounds crazy, but to me watching it, it just kind of made a little bit of sense. And some context for that. So I guess yesterday there was an editor on Reddit, a trailer editor who you know kind of clearly stated the movies he'd worked on but went by a pseudonym who was talking about the process of trailer editing. And we thought that was cool and how a lot of people complain that too much story is revealed mm-hmm. in trailers, which is totally valid and totally true. And one of the points that was made by this anonymous editor was in reference to the movie Free Willy, who apparently he had some boss or something work on that said, you know, if you don't spoil the movie in that trailer that the whale jumps over the rocks, then you're trying to get people to go see a movie about a whale being abused. Right. If you can't do the spoiler. Now, I don't know that that's true because I feel like you could edit a trailer about an attempted rescue but i don't remember free willy clearly enough to know how much that that is a surprise in the film or or what have you that he gets out and also I, th- I always thought that worked i that never felt like a spoiler to me it just felt like that's what you go to that movie for so it's a weird balance to find in that
0: yeah and then you sent me an article about this new development where they play like super mini teasers like 5 second teasers before the trailer or something did i read this correctly that they sort of right that was the part style. of it yeah of instagram yeah and
1: vine well that was part of the reddit ama with this anonymous editor was why does the trailer editor which was why does that happen and what? apparently it's just a math issue which is if you have if you are playing something on social media youtube whatever and you would know this better than anybody's fan if you start with a green screen and then a company logo yeah 70 of the people stop watching whereas That's for true. whatever reason if you play five seconds of explosions who knows what that drop off during the
0: green ratings logo it disappears oh i see so so they're doing it in the theater because it's the same trailer as on on social media or they're just adopting they don't
1: i've never seen it in a movie theater in a movie theater i feel like they
0: own you and it is what it is gotcha okay that makes a lot more so yeah Yeah. it's interesting that they do that because uh, they must somehow Have come to an agreement with the uh, what is the organization called that regulates the rating Um, Motion
1: Picture Association of America
0: yeah that whatever they show before the disclaimer needs to be absolutely clean or something because you first need to warn people before you show it or making sure I guess everything you show in a trailer is PG and I don't know maybe maybe they don't have to check with them maybe this is this is okay
1: yeah that's a good question, and perhaps the MPAA has no jurisdiction over the Internet. You can just do whatever you want. I mean, why not? Yeah, that's a good question. In that case, why not just cut the logo out? What are the, what are the rules? So we'll be kind of maybe not looking into that with this trailer that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, there's no disclaimer there. Uh, before we get to that, I wanted to point out today I saw that No Film School actually had an article um, by Michael Janovich, who is... a uh, a professional editor that worked for years on Avid and is stating the case why he switched to Final Cut Pro 10. And he actually created a 25 mi- minute video where he shows certain moves that he does in Premiere versus 10 and explains why it might be worth for you to give Final Cut 10 another look. And then it's going to be a hard transition, it's going to take you two weeks and you're going to hate it. But once you get past that point, uh, how much faster he works. So I definitely want to recommend. No film school came out today. Uh, checking out that article for anyone that is like kind of has has an open mind and wants to see why he says this is years ahead of its competition. And I I do agree. I mean I'm a fan of Final Cut 10, so I'm I'm happy to to plug it here. And maybe there's one guy or t- or one. Uh, girl that wants to check it out and might want to give this a try
1: well a couple questions so you you mentioned he'd worked on avid his whole career yeah and then mentioned and it's michael yanovich y-a-n-o-v-i-c-h yeah so you you'd mentioned that he'd worked on avid but then you said that he showed the difference between premiere and final cut on no film
0: school yeah i mean he decided to show it on premiere because i think he basically is more targeting editors on Premiere maybe, or he he just had a project that he had available he he understands that the clear advantage of avid even though it sucks as an, as an editing software right that's me that's not him saying and and <laughs> i've I've made most of my money on avid, so that's 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 my personal opinion um anyway so he says <laughs> that the one advantage and people will not change until Final cut ten gets this figured out is basically collaboration in a team so if you have uh, assistance editors and editors all working on the same project then avid is still the most robust way of doing it there are ways of doing it in final cut 10 i'm actually beta testing PostLab, which is a software that is being developed right now and it's i think it's being launched in september and so we're already running all our editing on Final Cut 10 with multiple editors online in a cloud. And it's, it's, it's working. It's great. But uh, it's going to be a while before this is going to become mainstream.
1: Well, I would like to be that guy, if I can, for a moment then, yes. that would like to tell Final Cut 10 ways it could clean its act up. Go for it. If you don't mind. Yeah. So it's, it's far from a perfect software. I mean, I guess nothing's really a perfect editing software. Yeah, and but Michael it's says it's that preposterous that there's no track selection, jumping, but moving between tracks with the keyboard uh, on Final Cut Ten. It's 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 inane, and I get it. It's a magnetic timeline, cool. You can do audio lanes, but the ability to track select, I mean, that's just such a huge. Part of the editing, I, it's there's points where it gets a little frustrating, and I've never edited faster than I have on Final Cut Ten. But then doing other stuff, it it, it becomes uh,
0: well, maybe there's no tracks uh, actually because they're not tracked. Well, yeah,
1: but figure out if you if you have a stack of clips, there should be a way I can navigate between those. Jump
0: through those. Yeah, there, there are some ways.
1: Sorry, there's no tracks, but there's storylines, and you can make multiple storylines. So True. you should be able to move between those storylines. True. it's 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 inane. But anyhow, just to give it a well-balanced thing, you know, Sven, we don't want to be those guys. Oh, no, we want to I mean, take a do.
0: stand. We want to be biased.
1: <laughs> I wasn't with you until this week. Now I'm just, like, over it. Uh, okay. But anyhow. <laughs> you have a specific anyhow, project anyhow, Sven, where
0: that's bugging you, where you have to jump around?
1: It's just been a building it's a it's been building for years and yes. I'm 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 just over it I'm done I don't well, fucking well, care I, I and have,
0: I have my issues selecting mainly so it's not perfect I agree but it's fast
1: Yeah no sure but they that's the thing is they all have different weaknesses so that's the thing is find your find what's going to work for you for the project you're working on um yeah
0: cool Any other business
1: So no, just look forward to that. David Wayne episode is really fun. He's incredibly experienced. He experiments a lot with editing himself and we talk about the influence that's had on his life. He's done so many like great, hilarious, monumentally important pieces of comedy to so many people. It was great to get his insight on and his he's like an authentic fan of, of the craft and technique and stuff and technical stuff, so it was very cool.
0: He's a magician too. Yeah.
1: I'll save that.
0: Both ways, as a filmmaker <laughs> and and otherwise. That's right. We're going to be talking about Dr. Strangelove, the trailer. film came out in 1964. Tyler, did you see it when it came out?
1: Yeah, I did not see it in 1964, but I did see it without seeing the trailer, which is interesting, too, because we were going Same to talk one. about how the tone sets the trailer up. I had no problem with the tone of the movie at all.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've seen the trailer until today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's a little setup about the movie. The actual title is Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, more commonly known simply as Dr. Strangelove, is a 1964 political satire black comedy that satirizes the Cold War, fears of a nuclear conflict between the Soviet Union and the United States. The film was directed, produced, and co-written by Stanley Kubrick, stars Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, and Slim Pickens. Production took place in the United Kingdom. The film is loosely based on Peter George's thriller novel Red Alert from 1958. The story concerns an unhinged United States Air Force general who orders a first-strike nuclear attack on the Soviet Union. It follows the President of the United States, his advisors, the Joint Chief of Staff, and and a Royal Air Force officer as they try to recall the bombers to prevent a nuclear apocalypse. It separately follows the crew of one 52 bomber as they try to deliver their payload. In 1989, the United States Library of Congress included Dr. Strangelove in the first group of films selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. It was listed as number three on AFI's year's 100 love's list. There you go.
1: Yes. And I would add to it that this trailer is credited to Pablo Ferro, who was an infamous title designer, rivaled Saul Bass for the t- title design kingship, although he had a little bit of a less distinct style. He just worked on all kinds of cool stuff. So he would work in the title design capacity on movies like Thomas Crown Affair, Clockwork Orange, Bullet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Dr. Strangelove, but would also often be responsible for putting the trailers together which is an interesting overlap concerning we have, you know, what goes into the trailer industry now, as we heard a little bit earlier, talking about the, the trailer editor, that that's that's responsibility that falls on one individual, the entire kind of presentation of the film. is so cool, and I think why there was such distinct artistry in that stuff in that era. And we're going to definitely see the influence of title design in this fastest per minute cuts in a trailer in history.
0: Yeah. And the actual editor of the film was Anthony Harvey, and he also cut Lolita.
1: Ooh! There's a really cool doc. Well, I haven't seen it, but a documentary meaning the scene about Pablo Ferraro, who had a really fascinating life.
0: And he was actually nominated for an Oscar as a director for The Lion in Winter, 1968. The editor. The editor, Anthony Harvey. Awesome. Yo. So what are we doing here, Sven? What we usually do is show. On this show, we look at a scene. A specific scene that is publicly available. We'll include the link in the podcast description. If you like you can watch with us. This one you might actually want to. It's so fast I don't know how we're going to be able to describe what we're looking at without getting any seizures. But uh, we'll go back afterwards and we'll describe some things that we notice. Some interesting techniques editing as well as filmmaking and stuff that we might be able to take away from this and appreciate or apply to our own filmmaking craft. Excellent. See if you can describe it.
1: <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot happening very fast, so I'll just kind of read through the titles as they go.
0: Okay, cool. So here we go in... You ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one, click... So
1: it's a Stanley Kubrick production with a bunch of images of Kubrick flashing behind it. You're seeing the titles, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, playing very quickly, 3, 2, 1, Why Did U.S. Bombers Bomb? And then we have these titles playing and then the characters in the film finishing the sentences. So it's creating this entire narrative for just the trailer, which is pretty cool, just almost creating Frankenbytes just with random bits of dialogue, but also doing that with title instead of just doing it with lines, which you could do as well. And that's really why it is known as the movie with the most cuts, just because these titles are happening so quickly. It's not really, it almost, it almost shouldn't count because it's not image, 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 image. It's letter 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 image. So it's pretty fascinating in that regard and it hits you pretty hard and heavy here and then it starts getting into the cast. Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden. Where's my shorts? We start hearing some lines and then we're kind of realizing maybe Peter Sellers is in this a lot. We're seeing actual scenes now.
0: Yeah, we're a minute in and now it feels like it slows down a bit. The editing doesn't, but like I feel like I can concentrate more on the story.
1: <laughs> and ironically, we just saw the logo a <laughs> minute in, so who knows what the rules were there. And we're also playing with the narrator coming in over the titles, so it's not just dependent on the text only. There's just all kinds of ways this is being messed with. And now we've really slowed it down, and we're seeing
0: these little bits of scenes. That's a joke there. I like it. Visual.
1: I tell you what you better do, old buddy.
0: I was under the impression that I was the only one in authority to order the use of nuclear weapons. Uh, That's right, sir. You are the only person authorized to do so. And although I uh, hate to judge before all the facts are in, it's beginning to look like uh, General Ripper exceeded his authority. I, I first became aware of it, Mandrake.
1: And in a weird way, we're seeing the actual style of the film being reflected actual representative of the actual editing and the way it's put together in the midst of the chaos. Just a real action-packed scene for the trailer.
0: In a way, it reminds me of uh, the Odessa steps.
1: Yeah, there's certainly like a Russian influence to the intensity of the editing.
0: Has that plane really got a chance of getting through? Well, uh, sir, uh, if the pilot's good, see? I mean, I mean, he's really sharp. He can barrel that baby in solo. I mean, <laughs> you ought to see it's alive. It's a you a, a big plane, like a 52.
1: It actually sets the tone up well enough that the George C. Scott moments are, like, funny as they are in the film.
0: Strange love. Or.
1: Giving them a little bit of flashy titles at the end. And Then, of course, a huge nuclear explosion.
0: I'm moving. A moving picture.
1: And then just some more titles just saying, see it Sunday, Monday, wow. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever. So that's a lot coming at you. And it's, it's cool because it's, you know, we ta- obviously there's a lot of great tra- editing that goes into movie trailers, always has been, especially nowadays, like so much finesse and work and sound work and working things in and finding, creating things that aren't necessarily in the film just to have something be clear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then this is kind of just an aggressive piece of editing that's sort of just a piece of art in and of itself that you can watch and have a whole different takeaway that's like pushing the form of editing in contrast to what's going on in the film, which is, which is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow.
0: And this came out before 2001 and Clockwork Orange and all the other movies. It was just a movie right after Lolita. I wonder what the reception of the audience was when they saw that trailer.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it, it's certainly, you know, it's the director of Spartacus. It's not... Kubrick always had sort of a acertic wit to a lot of his films, but it was buried in it. It wasn't necessarily part of the genre that the film would necessarily fall into. And here's this really groundbreaking, dark, dark, dark comedy just trying to let the audience know what it is, and it's... Weirdly successful in that. I feel like watching it, I feel like it conveys it very well that you're going to see something that you're not used to. It's going to push some boundaries. It's going to try different stuff. Yeah. Um, well, the first, and thing,
0: the first thing that I notice is how well-timed the letters are. Like figuring out how long you're going to have a word so that it feels like it's just a flash, but you're still going to be able to process the information. And making that work for the majority of the audience that's a, that's a big challenge. And these, are, these flashes, they are not even a second. I think these are half seconds we're talking about. So like 10, 15 frames before the next cut happens. But you still can read the words and form the sentence. That's, that's the number one thing. That's, that's something you really got to play with. And as you're cutting, and that's what I'm doing, like how long do you hold the title? And the general rule actually is hold the title one time and a half of how long it t- would take you to read it. So you read it and you wait half the time that it took you to read the title to be able to do that. I don't think they follow that rule at all here. It's so fast. Yeah, well, they're also
1: bombing you. You're kind of not really processing what the sentence was until – you hear the actor say the line and it kind of holds a little bit so it's really well timed and executed that way cuz so you're able to follow it and i went into it when i first learned that oh it's the one with the most watching it thinking uh it's going to be crazy and it's it i don't know that i would notice the amount of edits in that sense as i would notice
0: oh it's like a it's an interesting approach to this and while totally following it yeah the first time i watched it i was a little confused because the sentence didn't make sense But maybe it was because I was watching it without sound. (laughs) And uh, so (laughs) um, this is the kind of trailer. It's uh, it's good to watch the scene without sound to look at the editing. So that's what I was doing. And then I had these Ah. half sentences there that didn't make much sense. But then we're watching it with sound. then suddenly, oh, okay. So we're using both uh, senses to tell the story. And it complements each other, which is best way it's not an addition it's actually um and it's the you need to be able to go from one to the other to make sense out of the story
1: cool yeah so but yeah that's really interesting how the stories work i actually know an editor that edits some big budget comedies who does it without the sound and they're improvised as well he puts it together with the visual first in terms of the reactions and moments tries to tell it visually like and then go and then kind of figures out the lines for once the visuals there which is so yeah there's a lot of fun interesting ways to kind of toy with that
0: yeah i remember that walter Merch talks about cutting scenes without sound and how often he would actually get the lines right correctly like he, once he turned it on and listened to it it actually started to make sense already
1: and that's fascinating and the interesting thing here of course is that without youtube you know the audience would just get hit with this so they wouldn't have that second chance like you did to process oh wait what what just happened and i think that i don't know to me to me it works fine i'm not confused by anything that's going on it seems fun exciting perfect perfect setup for like what's going to go on in the film having seen it with no trailer whatsoever yeah and i mean just whatever you kind of know about it no no real clue that it's going to be the kind of comedy is or anything it's obviously it works really well in terms of setting itself up but
0: but they obviously saw it in a different setting they didn't see it on a laptop or on a tv they saw it in a theater so it was immersive yeah so whatever was hitting them was a totally different experience than when you see it on a small screen like with us it's just like a an annoyance almost like a like a blip but there it's like completely immersive the light the way it bounces off you in the room and all that stuff that has a totally different effect i would assume so that's the kind of trailer that i would love to see in a theater and see what it does there
1: well go to the new beverly they're playing trailers all the time when when uh dr strange love week happens when we see it on the calendar we can go check a movie out and they'll have trailers for it earlier that month so let's do that, Sven.
0: Cool. They'll do some. Um, we got uh, shit in the draft house as well. where they play. <laughs>
1: True. That's that's one too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen this one there, but yeah, they definitely would. Now, have you been to the draft house in LA?
0: Not in LA, just in, in Austin.
1: Ah, the real stuff, the authentic
0: stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. We'll have to hear all about that. Now, is there anything else you want to say about trailers or anything like that? I think we're at a point where... Well, we already had an episode about
0: trailers, so we talked Mm -hmm. a little bit about that while we were looking at the Joker. It's uh, it's an art form on its own, so you need to be able to tell a story and hook the audience in a very short amount of time. And I find, like, the older trailers are doing a better job at telling a story as opposed to just trying to show you spectacle i feel like nowadays there's you go into a theater and you see i don't know 10 trailers eight of those trailers seem to have the same strategy how they're trying to sell the movie on you which is like it starts off with darkness and then it's quiet and it ramps up and then it's just like a a firework of cool things that are happening and that's all intercut with like your main character saying like really witty things or very dramatic things but it's not fully embracing like in a, in a very like super creative way telling a story interesting I mean there obviously that's a very general statement there I'm sure there are a ton of interesting trailers that to the opposite. But I feel like whenever I go into a theater and I see those movies that are coming up in the next month or so, most of those, I feel like it's the same pattern, same sound effects that I'm hearing, same kind of fades to black, that stuff.
1: Yeah, and that's... I mean, even you could say this about the movies at the time that this was made, that there's a familiar thing and that's kind of how marketing works is you want to use what works... But that said when you have a movie like this that really pushes the boundary and yet at the same time this trailer is kind of letting you know the genre it's with it's in and the kind of movies it's kind of like sharing a feel with is kind of cool but yeah I mean groundbreaking trailers are always amazing and then everyone just does that for for 10 years like it's interesting to see how they evolve over the decades but If you've enjoyed what you are hearing, then subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the podcast. We really appreciate it. We have a lot of cool stuff coming up in the future. So we look forward to sharing that with you, and we appreciate all the feedback. Sven, if someone has a thought or would like to share a note or give a suggestion for what they would like us to
0: look at, where would they do that? Please tweet us at ThisGuyEdits, and we'll pick it up. We'll read it uh, on the next episode or an upcoming episode.
1: Very cool, and thank you to Curter for the music, and as Sven always says...
0: Happy editing. Oh, shit, sorry. I just turned Tyler off, not the microphone. You can use that for the spoiler.